What is the one thing you wish you had more of? Time, right? Or money. That's usually everyone's answer. But what can increase your efficiency of time usage and help you focus on creating your million dollar schemes? The only answer here, of course, great sleep. Not average sleep, not good sleep, great sleep. I know we talk a lot about sleep on this podcast, but there is a very good reason for that. It's extremely important to every aspect and functionality of your life. We had a good friend of mine and one of the top sleep coaches in the world, Patrick Byrne, on the podcast a couple months ago. And this week on The Game of Life, we were able to learn and pick the brain from the man who helped Ronaldo become a better sleeper, works for the Barcelona Soccer Club, and is a world-renowned sleep coach. Get ready for what Nick Littlehales is bringing. And I'm really glad to have you all back for another episode of the Game of Life podcast where we bring to you the behind the scenes lives of NBA players, business savvy entrepreneurs, and top level performers in all fields of personal development. The podcast that helps you become the best version of you. This podcast is absolutely jam-packed with sleep knowledge that you can take this evening and get a better night's sleep. But remember, we will also have the three pointers of the week. I'm telling you what book to be reading, what I am learning on, the MBA behind the scenes that will blow your mind. That's all at the end of the podcast. We'll have our call-in of the week where one of you who called in or wrote into Twitter, Instagram, anything like that will have a chance to win NBA tickets to the game of your choice this year. Our sponsor, plus a lot of more treats at the end of this podcast. But let's just get it rolling because I know you don't all want to listen to me. You want to listen to Nick and the knowledge he's bringing. Here's what you're going to learn on. Nick is going to tell us eight hours is a complete myth when it comes to the amount of time you need for sleep. How he personally got Ronaldo's thumbprint. Exactly why natural sleep is better than popping pill after pill after pill. How to switch your mind completely off before you go to sleep. Why circadian rhythm is extremely crucial. Figure out what type of chronotype you are. Are you a morning person? Are you a night owl? You'll figure out how to find that out yourself. The 90-minute secret, why that is the key to best sleep. And why tart cherries could be your new best friend. So without further ado, buckle up. Nick Littlehale's Game of Life. Here we go. All right, let's let's just jump into it. Let's let's start it off with a bang. Um, talk to me about working with Ronaldo. You helped coach Ronaldo to become a great sleeper. He puts a lot into his development, personal player development, and at the top of his game, Ronaldo is one of the most seen, sought-out athletes in the world, and you helped him become a better sleeper. Talk to me on that. <laughs> well, I don't want to let you down, but uh, <laughs> uh, I was asked—I was asked to go out and work with Real Madrid, uh, the club, which is, in many cases, where my work starts. And uh, so I was working, looking at the facility, uh, fantastic training facilities that Real Madrid have. Uh, we were doing a recovery assessment throughout the facilities, including the the eighty penthouse suites that they have on site at the training ground. <laughs> Uh, which the only way you could get into Cristiano's bedroom is if you had his thumbprint because wow. it was all fingerprint recognition. Um, but I checked all the rooms. I did all of that. We, we had a coaching session with the doctors and the medics and the coaches um, simply because, as you can tell, 
I'm, I'm from England. I don't possess a wide range of languages. So in a lot of cases in the multicultural world of sport, um, translating on into a group like the players at Real Madrid is something that the coaches translate on. So certainly Cristiano was there. Uh, they were training that day. So we were watching them training, which was quite a unique experience. Uh, but it was actually the coaches who passed on all of my techniques into the system, Cristiano being one of them. And without question, he takes he takes himself as a human being and his talent um, to a very high level uh, in the sport and away from the sport. And the you know the coaches at the time say you know when you do all the when you do all the normal tests for an athlete you know standing jumps, heart rate availability, recovery. Whatever you want to do is, you know, speed be, uh, you know, standing start speed over a meter or two meters. All of these factors of testing a, a human being and he's off the charts. So, yes, uh, you become a great talent, but uh, a lot of the other factors all come together to make somebody who can stand above the rest of the crowd in, yeah. in almost every single discipline. And, uh, uh, you know, so... Of course, if you go to Real Madrid um, and you're a sleep coach, then the press are going to simply associate you to sell <laughs> lots of papers, lots yeah. of articles that, you know, Nick's sleeping with Cristiano. <laughs> but, it, you know, if I went, if I went, I don't know. Yeah. If I started working in rap, then they'd probably put two and two together and say, I'm Jay-Z's sleep coach. I don't know. But, um <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. Kanye West comes and plays pickup basketball here all the time. If you want, oh, help, yeah, if that, you want that, help him that, sleep, come on over. Not every client, you know, they always say any advertising is good advertising. Yeah. Not quite sure. Sometimes some advertising might not quite work so well. Particularly. That's true. What I find really impressive is uh, you're teaching the coaches how to teach their players. That's more impressive than just teaching one player. Instead of just giving a man a fish, you're teaching him how to fish. And Ronaldo took that. And is it, uh, I know he puts a lot into it. Does he sleep in the hyperbaric chambers like everybody says he does? I've never seen him do it, but uh, yeah. he, there's a lot of, there's a, I think with, with sleep in general, because of the severe lack of education and, uh, it's not a performance criteria, hasn't been for anybody in any profession, including sport. So um, when you when you get sometimes elite athletes, like a lot of other people, they might take a supplement with a bit of tryptophan in it or, mm-hmm. or you know, that might indi- or something with a bit of melatonin in it, or they might get a device to stick by their bed that measures sleep. They might get a special mattress. They might get a special pillow. They might get a an altitude room or altitude tent in their home because that might help with recovery uh, or a hyperbaric chamber. You know, you tend to jump in, and in isolation, these things will have an effect, but they generally don't have the kind of effect that the the person purchasing them or using them would want. Um, because unless you've got you know, as you pointed out, it's it's doctor club doctors, yeah. Uh, the coaches, the sports science, everybody is in the same principle um, box of just simply not knowing enough about 
the subject, but not in a real clinical data way, um, David. It's it's more to do with what are the circadian rhythms. You know, we use the term sleep hygiene, which is confusing in itself. Trying to sleep in blocks of hours in one chunk at night, um, we sort of go, oh, yeah, I'll try and get eight hours. And I try to do it at night, but I never do. But I don't understand. And you know, just little bits of education, little bits of understanding. And suddenly you can revolutionize the way somebody approaches the way they're mentally and physically recovering because they just don't realize that there are so many different ways of doing it. It's yeah. just we just get presented with this this one way to do it. Uh, and everybody struggles with it. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, in your sport, because I've seen some of the schedules, I have connected with people in the NBA, and I tell you what, the schedules are non-human. <laughs> yeah, those plane flights getting in at 3 a.m., there it's it's a ridiculous schedule. Well, it's sitting on coaches for 17 hours, I don't know. Yeah, it's just... For sure. Uh, and I think that's the big problem. Yeah, it's a great point, and it leads me into, like we were talking about your book, The Myth of Eight Hours, The Power of Naps, and the New Plan to Recharge Your Body and Mind. I've read it once, reading it again through, and you're talking about just the little details and the misconceptions that people have. Everybody out there thinks, if you ask them, what's the most important thing about sleep, they're probably going to say, oh, you got to get eight hours. But it's not, and and you do a great job in the book telling exactly why it's not and what you should focus on more. So let's just lead into that. What, um, what do you think is more important than the eight hours myth that people think about? I think, you know, it's, I spent a lot of time in the industry, um, traveling around the world, doing lots of clinical studies or actually writing the checks out for them because I was a director of a, a company who made bedding products. But, uh, um, helped set up the first UK Sleep Council. Uh, I was chairman of that for a while. So I'd, I'd come across a lot of things. And you, what I always found interesting was wherever I went, everybody came up with this letter, this number eight. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't really expand on that. Um, it's almost like it, it floats around, even if your parents haven't told you. It sort of floats around in the air. And if somebody asks you a question, the number sort of comes at you and you go, eight. But all the time, there was people waking up to go to the toilet, disturbances, they found it hard to get to sleep, stay asleep, uh, all sorts of factors. He said, well, nobody's actually sleeping between two fixed points, a sleep time and a wake time, for eight hours a day, 365 days of the year. I've never met one. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and you only have to sort of use technology because up until about, you know, mid mid-late 90s, you know, I didn't even have a phone, never mind a device. Right. So for me to find something out took a hell of a long time, uh, like traveling to places called libraries or flicking <laughs> through books. You know, you, you couldn't just, how do I find that out? So yeah. principally, when you became available to sort of tap into a browser and go, well, human beings and sleep, and suddenly... You know, I started to find things out just like anybody else could do, but nobody was interested. You know, if you weren't in the world of sleep, you wouldn't be interested in tapping in a browser. So as that process came across, I just thought, wow. Up until we invented the light bulb, human beings used to wander around 
doing biphasic, triphasic, multiphasic sleep-wake cycles. They, they didn't even try to yeah. sleep in long blocks at night. And I thought, well, if that's normal, what's changed? Well, the only things have changed is we brought electric light into our world. We then brought daylight saving time into our world, which was the war years, and tried to save fuel which some countries do and some countries don't, or some countries never have done. So why did we do that? Why have we still got it? Because it complicates things, because every year I used to be writing articles about seasonal affective disorder. And, and then we brought tech into our world. And yes, there's an element of being exposed to blue light, of course, but it's also information overload. Yeah. So all that's happened is all the little recovery breaks that I didn't have planned in my day in the 90, up until the 90s. We're all there waiting for trains, waiting for taxis, waiting for David to turn up. <laughs> you know, all of these little things. There was moments when I just simply was, was looking at the weather, people watching, you know, just traveling, doing things. And there were all recovery breaks. A lot more time was spent outside because there was no reason to be inside as much, you know, fewer things on TV, more, you know, if you wanted to communicate with your friends, you had to be with them. Yep. You couldn't, you had to be with them because, you know, there was no other way of being with David. I can ring his home phone till, but if he's out, we're never going to speak. Yeah. Um, so it's not to go back and look at how, how wonderful those old days are, or even to look at the future as being bad. It's just, if you'd only known at schooling, which would then come from your parents, is if you'd only known these simple basics about mental and physical recovery from the point of being born through those formative years into your early teens, into your first cycles, into college or university and choices of occupation and everything else, you would have been so better knowledge to have a balanced approach to this. What we've all done as sort of like the older generations and the new generation, we've all gone from nothing to complete overload mm -hmm. at the same pace. So we don't know how to educate the other generation because we've been exposed to it ourselves. So we're all just sat there going, what do we do? <laughs> but I think, the it's, is it a myth? I think it is a myth because the evidence is there, you know, there's, uh, and I think what I like to think, you know, you do see research all the time and it sort of says, you know, if you lose 30 minutes worth of sleep, then certain performance factors might go down. Uh, if you increase your sleep, they might go up. Um, there's always this little caveat at the bottom that says we still don't know very much about this. But it looks like if we took these group of people and deprived them of sleep and then gave them more sleep, it got better. I'm thinking, well, actually what this is about is probably, look at it in a slightly different way, but relevant, is that within any 24-hour period, in relationship with the sunup and sundown process, the circadian rhythms, as a human being, we most likely need around seven to eight hours 30 to 33 percent of that time in a mental and physical recovery state which you could call sleep but you don't have to get the eight hours all at once so pre-light bulb you could have 
two or three cycles, be active, a cycle, two cycles, use the other natural periods of that circadian process between one and three and five and seven with shorter cycles, either one 90 minutes or a 30 minutes or a 20 minutes or a 15 minutes, commonly known as nap. And if I can, <laughs> if I can get better recovery sleeping in shorter periods, but more often relative to my life, then maybe I am getting eight hours a day, but not in one block, not in one block. Even, even just stopping and sitting and zoning out for a couple of minutes, then I see it as every 90 minutes of my day, I have a couple of minutes where I'm in recovery. I've just zoned out. I'm not doing what I'm normally doing. I'm just doing something completely different at that moment in time. Add them all up, a little bit of a nap there, zone out there. And a good example, which I think a lot of people, I mean, the, the whole, I was with a, a full uh, elite sports group. That's from the coach right down to all players. You've got a multitude of cultures in there from Australian to Argentinian to New Zealand to, you know, all different types of cultures. And this was uh, a week ago. And so we're in, in Ju- well, not in July now, but this is a week ago, it's July. And on that day when I was working with this club, there was nearly 17 hours worth of daylight that day from the sun rising to the sun setting in november there will be eight hours interesting yeah so if you just understand that your relationship with the light your relationship with that process that will never change is that because you have time shifts in, in uh, daylight saving time, you've got time zones, you've got different points in the seasons. Well, it makes it really difficult if I've got 16 hours worth of blue daylight pumping away all around me on one day, and then just a few months later, there's only eight, which is half. Yeah. 50% reduction. So that means the rest of the time I'm in more artificial light or I'm in more darker light or there's less light so how does that affect me and i think that's the where the myths come from um that just because it's dark at night the whole world is asleep well that just doesn't wash does it (laughs) yeah i could that's it's that's absolutely fascinating that's it turns the public's perception on sleep pretty much on its head and and researching your um I mean, your studies and how important like you were talking about the 90 minutes, the sleep cycles are to overall quality. Our, our audience is very into development and way more about quality over quantity. And you have the R90 recovery. You talk about those, those, the sleep cycles. I think for them, all I've studied, I, I, I think that sleep cycles are the most important thing as opposed to just thinking, okay, I need eight hours. How many sleep cycles am I getting? Yeah, and then if you if you're talking, you know, when I first you know stepped towards sport by accident, um, in some respects, and and then suddenly found myself having to coach 
you know, premiership footballers in the UK, male, young premiership footballers, uh, about sleep. And, and, you know, when you look at those circumstances, it was an impossible task to even try and do it. Uh, you know, we're talking 18 years ago. Uh, there were no sports science, no data collection, no nothing. I mean, to be talking about sleep to, to a male-dominated, young, affluent football club was just ridiculous but um so you what i tried to do was to to redefine their perception of it so first of all say i'm not going to talk about sleep because that means something to you that i can't change so I'll put that to one side um this whole business of trying to get eight hours you don't understand where it comes from you'll keep repeating too so we'll we'll change that as well and uh just so you know that if you're in a cl- clinic or a hospital 90 minutes is a period of time where a polysomniograph, which is a data-collecting thing from the frontal low brainwave patterns, will, will follow and, and principally uh, show you all the data you want about sleep stages, little minor awakenings, and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you would look at the next 90 minutes. So you're looking at one 90 minutes, because that basically is a period of time when all of these things should happen. So I knew they knew about stages, you know, we know about light sleep and deep sleep. Mm-hmm. Even most people can grasp that um, at that level. So to go through the light sleep and deep sleep stages, some perceived to be more rejuvenative, restorative than others, but they're all clusters recovery. It takes about 90 minutes. So the length of a football match is 90 minutes. So if I talk 90 minute cycles, it's relevant to my world and the clinical world, but it also makes it now relevant to these football players because they actually perform in a 90-minute window. And they have a break in between, mm-hmm. which is called half-time. So if I'm going to try and relate something to that group, we start talking mental and physical recovery. We're talking recharging we're talking the ability to get the best out of the next period of time. We're talking cycles. So five 90-minute cycles actually adds up to 7.5 hours. So that gives us a point of reference to eight hours. But maybe some people work on six hours, so four cycles. Suddenly, we start talking, you know, when you're talking about well-being questionnaires, whether it's through apps or in those days would have been paper format, you know, how well did you sleep that night? Absolutely smashed it, did four cycles straight through with no awakenings. You know? Mm-hmm. And suddenly suddenly the language becomes okay. And the week before I decided to do three cycles at night, uh, put another cycle in midday. So I was doing five cycles, but only Four at night, one in the day, but a much shorter period. So I wasn't I wasn't actually recovering for seven point five hours in the twenty four. It was actually seven. Yeah, I think that's great. And I felt absolutely yeah. brilliant. And uh, you know, I now know when I wake up at two o'clock in the morning, what's the reason for that? And I don't worry about it anymore. Yes, I actually I'm active. I just do stuff, and I know that almost it's almost. I feel quite awake, so I do stuff. But then suddenly, this sort of sleep onset creeps in again, and I sort of curl up back into bed, do a couple of cycles, wake up, and off I go. Yeah. He said, yeah. 
so it's kind of it was more to do with 90 minutes sleeping in 90 minutes is not necessarily exclusive to me at all or new or revolutionary but it was something within the system that seemed to help people um understand what they were doing every day some things are good some things could be improved on and suddenly they just they just think it's revolutionary because they've spent most of their life worrying about not getting eight hours in one block and it's a constant worry for them and yet sort of reading that chapter in that book or talking to me suddenly they realize wow i've been wasting my time doing this <laughs> yeah, I think that gives people a great peace of mind because people will get worried that they have to get a certain amount of sleep or if they wake up in the middle of the night, they think they're not getting the best sleep. That's very freeing to know that yeah, you can wake up at 2 a.m., get around, do some stuff, get some work done, get another 90 minutes in, get another phase in. That's, that's I think, really I think we are, when, you, when you ever look at quality and quantity, you know, we can't – we cannot – start to think that we could we could do a whole recovery period for 30 minutes right in any yeah. 24s right that yeah. is ridiculous we are looking at something like you know six to eight hours depending on you know who which human being you are um because there's lots of different ones living on different parts of the planet you know mm-hmm. it's not surprising that in finland they have the highest suicide rates on the whole planet because they spend a lot of time in the dark Yes, they do. Yep. And most of my clients, Finnish athletes, go, help, help. And I go, well, you know, I can't switch the light on or change the way the sun comes. Maybe you should move. There you go. <laughs> Good coach to move. Yeah, come so on. So I think, it's, you know, yeah. I think it's just, I've never, I've worked with a lot of, a number of universities and key professors of sleep and things like that in so many different ways. And I don't think any of I absolutely know that none of them got eight hours solid every night. Yeah. So eight hours know. a myth. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, man. All right. So I got to interrupt the podcast real quick and you will hear more on the eight hours and the myth and everything in depth from Nick Little Hales. Hold on. Before we do, I want to tell you about a super cool company that I've been checking out more in depth. They're called Human. What their belief is, is that the human body is a system that can be quantified, optimized, and upgraded. Human designs and develops products that enhance key biometrics pertaining to cognitive, physical, and metabolic output. Basically, the epitome of nootropics. The two main products, Sprint and Yawn, are scientifically designed to work immediately to put your mind in the correct state. Combinations in Sprint, like the caffeine plus L-theanine, work to quickly work to quickly get your mind together for a focus boost and more cognitive clarity, mental clarity, while components in Yawn, like the melatonin and glycerin, help optimize sleep regulation and recovery. Basically, check them out. Going to help your brain. Going to help you use more of your brain at more of an efficient rate. Human which is spelled H-V-M-N. Check it out at human.com. And in link in the show notes, you have a link to click on that will give you a 10% discount on anything human. You know what they have that I really like too? They have little coffee chewables. Yeah, you can just have the caffeine and coffee just in like little chewable bite-sized pellets. Awesome. Check them out. 
Okay, the call-in of the week. This one coming in from Stockholm, Sweden, from Hendrik. Hendrik says, I've been a big NBA fan, but wow, I would have never known all the philanthropy Thad Young is doing and the positive impact he is having on the lives of so many kids. What a humble guy. New favorite player in the NBA. Hendrik, thanks for calling in, man. I love Sweden, and I love when you guys give me feedback. Hendrick will be entered to win NBA tickets of his choice. Probably going to choose the Indiana Pacers this year, it looks like, if he wins. But I want to hear from all of you. Reach out to me. Send me a message on Twitter at DavidNurse05. Instagram, DavidNurse5. That'll all be linked in the show notes, how to do so. Leave a review at iTunes. Send in a question. Whatever is on your mind, I want to hear from you. Keep growing this game of life together in our game of lifers. Time to get back into it with Nick Littlehales. You're going to hear on the three main tips, the sleep hacks that Nick provides that you can take away for yourself and implement tonight. Three points of the week, remember, are coming up at the end of the episode. And you're going to learn why sleeping literally is a very important key to your overall happiness and well-being. If you're a mouth breather, yeah, you should probably look into becoming a nose breather. Nick's going to tell you why. So fluff up that pillow, dim the lights, and let's get our sleep on. Nick Little Hale's Game of Life, second half. If you could give, if you can give the audience, I know this might sound like choosing your favorite kid, but three main keys for bettering sleep. How can they take something, how can they take away just three main bullet points or two main bullet points to think, all right, now I'm going to get better sleep tonight. Any little life hacks, sleep hacks you have? They've... There's there's lots of things throughout yeah. the book. There's lots of things that I, there's lots of things you can add to a good uh, mental recovery approach. Lots of things you can add to things in isolation don't work. The best thing for anybody is just tapping chrono, uh, tapping circadian rhythms into your browser. You, you can look at some images. You can go a little bit deeper, but this will cement your relationship with that you are a human being with a brain that is totally linked to the sun-up and sundown process going on around you. It, cre- it, it triggers all the, the functions that you as a human being require to happen at certain points and certain things. And one thing it will show you is just how much out of sync you are with that process. Because if you know that, at least what you introduce will help minimize it, the, the impact of it. The, the second one is... Is just everybody is aware of their chronotype. It's their sleep characteristic. It's whether they're a morning person, they're a nighttime person. Interesting. Now, this bit is absolutely critical because it's genetic. You can camouflage it. Occupations do that. Lifestyle camouflages it so you can class yourself as an in-betweener. Of course, I am a morning chronotype because simply I always wake early morning with the sun coming up because it affects my brain quicker than it would a PMA. It means I'm up, I'm hungry, I need to eat, I'm fully active in the morning, and whatever happened the day before, that will always be the case. And I slow down as the day progresses uh, and want to go back to sleep so I can get up and do it again. The PMA, you know, if, they, if they've got to get to work for, for 8.45 in the morning, and it's a 30-minute commute, they'll still be in bed at 14 minutes past eight. 
Yeah. Just trying just trying to grab every second. Oh, just another half a minute snooze. They'll drag themselves out of bed. They will not try to eat breakfast generally. They might even not even hydrate. Uh, they drag themselves to work and just simply just wallow through the first hours of the day trying to over-caffeinate or whatever to get to a particular point. But you meet them at 11 o'clock at night and they're bouncing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of work that's going on now because we've got the data, because you've got all sorts of things, is when you start looking at what's the chronotype of the coach, because that will determine what goes on around the club. Because if the coach is a morning chronotype, everything happens in the morning. Everything's focused yeah. on the morning. right? And when you look at all the games, you were talking about schedules and stuff like that. Well, actually... There is some data that quite clearly suggests that, you know, if David is a nighttime chronotype, Nick is a morning chronotype, we both play in the same team, we've both got the highest skill levels, we're complete enough athletes, we can do anything, anywhere we want. But the fact is, Nick is better during the daytime games than David. Yeah, based maybe on the chronotype, by, interesting. Maybe by tiny marginal gains in some respect, but Nick gives away less fouls. He moves quicker between points. He seems to, he, it's not necessarily about, you know, baskets, but it's about when you look at the data of Nick on the court yep. and you look at the data of David on the court, there is a distinct correlation between Nick daytime and Nick nighttime. So that in anybody's life is critical. And as you pointed out before, the one that will just revolutionize what you're doing is just to think in 90-minute cycles, yeah, uh, button hours, uh, get a polyphasic approach into your head that's shorter, is, is better because you've got less opportunity to overheat. You've got less opportunity for all those thoughts and anxiety which we're overloading ourselves with every day to come through and wake you up. You've got less opportunity to fill the bladder and have to go to the toilet without actually doing it on purpose. You can take the pressure off your 24 hours and not end your day, you know, in summertime and think, oh my God, there's only so many hours before I've got to get up and do it again. Look, <laughs> take the pressure off. That's And, yeah. and you know, how many times have you, you know, not slept at all or slept really badly, but still woken up the following day and done exactly what you needed to do and maybe even smashed it? So sometimes when there are certain things in your life that are counterproductive to mental and physical recovery, trying to do it is as worse than if you don't do it at all. So prior to big events, don't sleep, do other things, take the pressure off. Don't take tablets to force it. Don't try and use other things to overcome fatigue. 90 minutes, thinking in 90-minute cycles with your chronotype and an understanding of the circadian rhythms will stop you hitting the sleeping tablets, hitting the caffeine, hitting the snus, hitting all of these things to try and overcome what should be a very natural process. You're just doing it in the hardest way possible because you don't know what you're doing. See what's really refreshing talking to you is a lot of this is 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 natural is taking the pressure off you listening to your body what type of what type of person you are morning or evening and the general public I mean we put way too much pressure professional athletes put way too much pressure on their sleep putting whether they're taking 
ashwagandha, magnesium, or any type of sleep yeah. cocktail there is. It's just melatonin. Melatonin. Because that, yeah. that puts yeah. you to sleep. You don't understand. It's actually a hormone that just tells the brain yeah. to move into chill out and suppress a, non, a non-function. It's not actually putting you to sleep. It's sort of moving you in that direction. So, you know, all of these things are mislead people. Is there anything that you do recommend as far as whether it's a, a root or herb or a, or a pill to take? That the helps? one thing I, I, I see a lot of it, because uh, there's, there's two reasons for it. And, and you can get it in various forms, but, you know, I think it, it's a nice form. It's called uh, tart cherries. They're principally a, a sort of fruit of, of Canada in principle. Tart uh, cherries? You said tart cherries? Tart cherries. They're not the, they're not the cherries okay. you'd sort of buy and just eat. Okay. Um, natural cooking cherries, eatable cherries, do have the same kind of um, uh, ingredients, but the, the tart cherry is the one. So it's you could look at cherry active. You can look at tart cherries. You can get them in supplements, uh, in gels. You can also get them in, in, in capsule form, but, you know, try and avoid everything being tablets in the mouth. For sure. So you can put it in blends. You can put it in your food. And basically what you've got is a natural, within the tart cherry, you've got a lovely natural balance between potassium and magnesium, which those two things really work well together, better than in isolation. So that's for the everyday physical recovery so you don't have to be a manic sports person Uh just everyday physical recovery the potassium and magnesium in your diet through the tart cherry is nice it also produces natural melatonin so while you're taking that sunblade or or have that fruit in your life and you don't have to take it specifically to make something happen you just put it into your diet and it's a lovely natural combination of you know keeping chilled keeping perspective Mm -hmm. physical recovery nice stuff um and once once you find there's lots and there's lots and they're coming out every day of the week but that one has been around quite a while and there's no worry about it uh there's no concerns about taking it um you know you you can get uh the banana tea is another one that's you know, you go on YouTube and you can see thousands of videos of how to make banana tea. Banana tea, you, that sounds really good. Have you not come across that? Well, basically, yeah. oh, interesting. You, okay. you need you need an organic banana because if it's if it's an off-the-shelf banana, it'll have pesticides all over it, right? Mm-hmm. So you need an organic banana, you leave the skin on, you take the ends off it and you pop it in boiling water for 10 minutes and the, the reason why you leave the skin on is because there is more potassium and magnesium in the skin than the flesh. Wow. And we throw it away, right? And also in the skin, there is a, a tryptophan, which is yep. triggers the amino acid serotonin, which is your opposite to melatonin. So melatonin is chill out, suppress, let's not be active. The serotonin is completely the opposite. So... It has that in the skin, so you get this infusion, tea infusion, which is a bit like if you wanted a little booster for the afternoon, you wanted a little something to take as a drink rather than water or caffeine or things like that, then 
banana tea can walk around with you as a flat in a flask, whatever. But you'll see on YouTube that some people actually eat it mm-hmm. once they boiled it, they chop it up and they eat it um, as well, which is sort of going even further level. Uh, some people put a bit of cinnamon in it because it's a, it's a bit of a um, an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, I could see. Yeah. Again, but you've still got to go through this process of getting your organic bananas and yeah. chopping up, putting them in the water okay. and making the blend. And it's all part and parcel, whereas the, the, the cherry active, you know, you just chuck the supplement in your fruit blend in yeah. the morning and you're off, you know. That's great. So, uh, but there's, there's a little product. There's, there's a couple of products which are, you know, like I say, if you've got a really good R90 approach, then you can add these things in. In isolation, they will struggle to have an effect. But yeah. the one is, one is called the Human Charger. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Human uh, And and rather than putting glasses on or all sorts of stuff, I mean that just puts blue light into the pineal gland, into the brain, and and that can be great for travelling, for time zone shifts, for for getting your nap without helping your nap and coming in and out of naps and. And it's totally non-intrusive. It just looks like I'm listening to some tunes through some earbuds. So, mm-hmm. you know, I could do it anywhere and I'm not going to get the finger pointed at me going, what are you doing? Yep. Uh, and the other one, crazy enough, um, is teaching yourself how to nose breathe again. So nose breathe. Nose breathe. The mouth breathing population is that, unfortunately, when you fall into a sleep state, the ability to be able to breathe in and out through your nose very naturally, very softly, is one of the key elements for raising the, the quality of sleep you're going to get from any period. If you're mouth breathing all day long, then you mouth breathe at night, so you get that dry mouth, you're dragging air in through the mouth, and as the muscle relax, you get that <laughs> and, <laughs> so, yeah. and snoring. Uh, so a lot of the athletes I work with uh, – Many people probably aware of a, a product called a Breathe Right Strip, which is a little plaster on top of the nose, yep. which would open up the nasal passages. Well, the uh, it's got a fancy name to it, but it's called the Rhino Med Rhino, the no, the bone in the nose Med being medical. The Rhino Med Turbine is is a little nasal device that pushes up into the nose passages. It opens up those nasal passages, can increase oxygen levels up to 40% because you're breathing through your nose but the, the most important thing is you can use it just to encourage yourself to nose breathe without using your mouth much more during the day when you're washing up, when you're making your lunch, when you're at your desk even the athletes when they're training they just constantly use it to remind themselves naturally to breathe in naturally the nose so when they sleep that's more likely to happen and that will increase the quality rather than mouth. Now, that, you only mentioned it before about, you know, Nick, why, you're, you're, why you make so much sense is because none of this has been made up. None of it is clinical. Exactly. None of it is techie. It's all natural stuff that as kids we should yeah. know about. We should know about it. Absolutely. Don't make your children do their homework before they go to bed, if David 
is a PM chronotype. Nick is a morning chronotype. Get Nick to do his homework in the morning because he'll smash it. Get David to do his homework at night because he'll smash it. And be very aware of this. Nick, that is so empowering. And that just goes right along with the the, the personal development of these NBA players that I work with. I do a lot of work with NBA guys on court and off court. And it's it's everything is based on who they are as a person. You can't cookie cutter one thing and say, this is going to work for you. This is going to work for you. And it sounds like that's the same thing with sleep. And hearing that how natural sleep is and we don't have to put pressure on ourselves and we work with our circadian rhythm on the rise and the fall of the sun, this is just very, very refreshing news for myself think, and the audience. I think to 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 summarize, because you know this as well, um, the schedules are just going to get more demanding. Yes. The world is going to get more 24-7. Yep. Um, our, our gadgets, our devices, our tech will just continue to develop and expand what our ability we can do. And maybe at one at one point in the, this human life cycle, you know, we will actually be able to get eight hours sleep in three minutes um, through some sort of process. Because we kind of see it as a waste of time and we kind of see it as a long time in any day without benefits so it's it's really not something so if we could really get it down to something quite small but my point is that a lot of athletes uh, find that with all the data with all the intrusion it's getting too intrusive yeah. uh, they've got no they've got nowhere to live they've got no space they've got no private space everything they do is being watched whether it's coming from technology or or everything else in their lives and they could get away from their sports, but they can't. They could get away from their fans, but they can't now. Yeah. They they can't control what people are saying about them, even while they're playing, uh, because we have this instant ability to communicate across the planet. So they can get really isolated. And, and this is one area, if you start knocking on their door and saying, we're going to start monitoring your sleep, we want you to start wearing trackers, we want to see if we can find out how to make you sleep better. And then we'll also find out that if you're not sleeping that well. So will this actually be a deciding factor is whether I play the game at the weekend or whether I get dropped from the team because my sleep state is not so. In fact, actually what I'd like you to do is get out of my bedroom, get out of my world of sleep. This is mine. So the ability to go into an athlete's world in that very intrusive area and not give them the impression that all you're going to do is find a new set of criteria which they can be measured on, when actually all Nick is going to do and all the book is going to do is come into your life, stop you wasting valuable time, help you deal with the complexities of your life and your sport, make sure you've got more confidence to do it, and most importantly, do it in a more natural way. This is not going to take you backwards or become any performance criteria you're just going to feel better do it better and make yourself available for the squad more often uh, because you're at your best more sustainably in any particular period and once they know that they're fine um, but if they get the hint you're coming in there to try and find data points for performance then they run they run away and you won't get in there and get the benefits from it though Nick, that's su that's such a great point, and I was going to ask you about that because I'm a nut with tracking, tracking everything with athletes, tracking my own sleep performance, wearables, 
but that's a really good point because when they're thinking yeah this sleep if I get bad sleep who knows about it the coach knows about it the GM maybe I don't play maybe my contract's cut there's no absolutely no peace of mind in that so man, no, I, it's I, a balance isn't it it's a balance, it's a balance and, yeah. and I, I don't want to take this but I you know as you were saying it's about the individual it's about what they're trying to do yeah. it's about their profile it's about their chronotype it's about all their friends and relatives and it's also about you know regular sleeping partners and you know as well as I, there'll be some coaches who say to a whole squad, a whole setup that, you know, no sex before events or even three or four days or even weeks before events for all sorts of very good reasons. But, you know, for a lot of people, you know, the, the, the whole process of, of having sex with a partner, it removes you from this planet and everything you're worrying about. For some people, it can be quite invigorating and very enjoyable. It's comforting. It's natural. It's human. So you can't make a blanket instruction to a team that it might sap your energy. I know a lot of athletes, they do it to get away from the world, to relax them, to calm themselves, to be with their closest human being partner, and to realize that they actually are a human being and not this ridiculous monster robot elite athlete everybody wants them to be. Bingo. So it's yeah. used in a very positive way. Some athletes will, you know, do the act of sex and pass out. So it's actually a soporific, <laughs> but it's a natural one. Yeah. You see what I mean? And, and so the point is, is if you've got a team being watched from sleep point of view, with trackers and devices, I'm not having a go at them. I'm just saying we need to develop them in the right way, not just shove them in. Because if it's one of my recovery tools to be interacting with my partner at three o'clock in the morning, I don't want somebody going, why were you awake? Why was your heart rate based up? Why was this? Why was your skin temperature up? Why was this? What were you doing? That was private time exactly. with my partner. I was in control of it, and, and I really don't—I don't want anybody to know about that anywhere, shape or form. So, that's you know, using sex just as a relevant point because it's always talked about as being a positive or a negative, but it does relate back to this: what you're doing at two o'clock in the morning is your business and should remain your business. Um, yeah. You have a really, really refreshing point on everything being natural and personalized, and uh, it's it's great for the audience to be able to hear all this that that you're coming with. And and I would love to talk to you for the whole day, a couple more days, because I'm just absolutely intrigued about everything on how to get better sleep, and this is really helping me as well. Um, but let's jump into a couple rapid fire here ones real quick, so I don't keep you keep you too long respecting your time. Um, Let's say let's say someone's going to go in for they're trying to get just their best night's sleep. What what little hacks can do they go keep everything dark? Do they have a sound machine? Just run us through a couple just really quick little hacks that people can do to just improve their sleep quality. Um everybody's got a consistent wake time whether it's relevant to chronotype, it's relative to occupation and they'll pretty much do that 5 or 6 days a week. Just make that your constant everyday wait time. It's your start time. This is a point in the whole process of the circadian rhythms, which is a real anchor point. So, you know, mine's 6.30, whatever yours is, David, you know, 
try not to pick 626 because then working in 90 minute cycles makes it difficult you have to think about it too much mm-hmm. but is is get that anchor point in the second thing with that is because um we should actually wake with the sunrise and basically move towards sleep with the sunset now that is difficult for us yes because as you shift between seasons so if you black out your room right you either go with the sun so no curtains no blinds or you black it out that's the reason right Mm -hmm. if you black it out you can help the process of going going into a sleep state because you're putting yourself in darkness but it is more difficult obviously to wake in complete darkness good point so a product that would help this straight away and start circadianizing you. Just made that word up, David. Never repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to circadianize yourself is get a dawn-wake simulator. Just tap it in your browser, dawn-wake simulator. It's a light therapy tool. Yep. It simply sits by the bedside. So... If I was planning to be asleep for 12.30, I would be doing my stuff in my bedroom. The room would go into complete blackout. No other artificial lights would be used, but I'd put the dawn-wake simulator on. So that would be the light in the room. But over the next 30 minutes, if I timed it for that, while I'm messing around, maybe doing a bit of reading, whatever, that light will reduce itself down gradually over that period of time eventually turning itself out and then leaving the room in complete blackout and it'll do the opposite in the morning so my wait time i always put the alarm off because i'm always awake before the alarm goes off it's just there for security yeah but it's 6 30 so at six o'clock i'm in a blackout room but the light comes on it gradually fills the room with blue light daylight so by the time I get towards 6.30, I have been woken by the sun. I have now got serotonin building in my brain. And when I go to, when I, are you still there, David? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's somebody else trying to cut in. Oh, sorry um, about that. It's all right. When I go to, when I go to the curtains and open them, it could be winter and it's dark outside. It could be sun and it's light outside. But what I'm doing is I'm controlling the start of my day. So consistent wait time. Yep. Identify your chronotype. Get a dawn wake simulator in. And just start from this point on thinking polyphasic cycles rather than hours. And remember that at midday, the graveyard slotting business, around 1, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and between 5 and 7 every day, it is completely and utterly natural your brain to want to go into a little recovery break even if it's 10 15 20 minutes use that and you'll be a different person by tomorrow nick that is that is great this is i'm absolutely juiced up to go to sleep tonight (laughs) and i know the audience (laughs) will be too it's read the 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 u.s version of the book (laughs) yes i know I'm, i'm sending it out to more people more people it's I, I love everything you're talking about here, Nick. I'm very, very honored and blessed to have you on this podcast as, as the audience. That's so am I. You're actually in Los Angeles and you're in the NBA and I'm just a silly old sleep coach in Nottingham, UK. So 
I'm envious of you as well. <laughs> Man, are you kidding me? Get over here anytime. I would love to have you talk to all the players that I work with. It'd be they they need it. It'd be it'd be great. If you can ever make it over here, man, you have a place to crash with me. I'll I'll get all our sleep gear needed. No worries. Well, uh, uh, the travels and my schedules are starting to, uh, you know, the book's into 13 countries now, and, and it's having the same effect in every country because we're just human beings on this planet yeah. with the sun. And, uh, you know, it, it's a... So sleep is a very big subject at the moment, but oh, probably yeah. for the wrong reasons. Because of technology, because of gadgets and devices, because of techniques and interventions, and because of our sad, sad lack of education. And there there's go. a lot of well-being red flags going on everywhere, which is, which is disturbing all of us. That, particularly yeah. in the younger generation, but. Uh, you know, this is this is going to show some significant uh, impacts on our health and well-being through addictive natures, through all sorts of things that we're adopting, and uh, almost epidemic levels in certain respects. So, well, Nick, I completely agree with that, and, and at least it's opening the public's eyes to it. And the more that they can learn about you and everything that you're researching and you're teaching, we'd love to we'd love to follow you. So, how? What's the, what's the best way that we can follow everything that you're doing? Um, we're pretty much uh, avid providers of free content. So at Sports Leap Coach on, on Twitter, mm -hmm. Instagram, uh, Pinterest. We're on awesome. LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, and, you know, and whatever, whatever platform's coming out next week that I'm not aware <laughs> of. <laughs> um, uh, yep, but also we'll sportssleepcoach.co.uk sports or .com. Uh, you go to the website there. You can – there's blogs being posted all the time. There's various services that you can access yeah. if you wanted to. Um, and you can do little things like just do a free, uh, a free profiler, which – just ask you a few questions and it's not automated it actually does land on our desk we do actually look at your answers and we do actually cool. give you a marker out of a out of a hundred to, to where you are in what we've been talking about today and those things are free so you can have a bit of fun and uh, that's that's great that's awesome man we're going to link to everything for sure in the show notes and and link to how they can get their hands on your book other than me sending it to them another way that they can get their hands on the on your book um well anybody who mentions the word david or nurse or david or nurse together or whatever your podcast is called yeah then um then we'll we'll try them help them out and charge them more for everything we do there or is it go. less well, is it more or less <laughs> we can go more we can go more <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to get mistaken. There's actually a David Nurse who's a soccer goalie or a football goalie over is there that? in England. Yeah, so I don't That's want. Really that. Yeah, there is. I know. I know. He's got. Uh, yeah, I don't want him to. Uh, everybody to go to him to, when they start researching this this podcast. But um, <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for your time. Um, no it's very, very, very blessed to have you on and. But as as we head out here and depart, is there any last parting words to give the audience? Any mottos you live by? Any drop the mic and walk off type moments you got? I uh, no, you got me there. No. Probably, but um, 
I think the best thing is is how real you are with sleep and how how natural it is. I think it's just it's an amazing breath of fresh air that people don't have to put so much pressure on themselves to get to sleep. It's just it's natural. I think the the, the one thing I think sort of gets repeated quite a lot is you know if if as coaches you try and tell somebody to chill out, that isn't going to happen. Right. Uh, if you tell them to stop worrying about something, that isn't going to happen. I think a lot of people, a vast majority of the population, if not everybody, worries about the quality of their sleep for all the wrong reasons. So as a coach, the best way to get somebody to stop worrying about sleep and the quality of it is to just take them along a little path of change Mm -hmm. and then suddenly they're not worried about it at all. They're not wasting valuable time. So I think one of the tricks of the R90 technique and the tricks of the book is that just while you're reading chapter by chapter, before you even get to the end, you stop worrying about sleep. There it is. Perfect. (laughs) I love it, Nick. Thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much for having me, David. Thank you. Big time episode from Nick Littlehales on The Game of Life. We will link to everything in the show notes. Everything Nick's talking on, how to learn more about Nick. Uh, We'll also link to Human, our sponsor, and how you can get your 10% off trying the nootropics. I know you're really excited to sleep tonight, but before you do, it's time for the three-pointers of the week. Okay, three-pointers of the week, starting off with a book that I'm reading actually... Hold that thought. I'm studying Japanese with Rosetta Stone. Why, might you ask? Because I'm here in Tokyo, Japan for the next two weeks. So I want to learn everything I can Japanese, immerse myself in the culture, when in Rome, when in Tokyo, same concept. It's something that I try to do in every country I go to, just to show respect to the people of the country that I'm trying to learn their language. The words that I have been learning here in Japan, nice to meet you, hajijemaste, Thank you for this meal, gochi sosama. Good evening, kambawa. Thank you, arigato gozaimasu. And of course, Japanese sweet potato yakiimo, which I have literally became addicted to. In Japan, instead of having an ice cream truck, they have a yakiimo truck that goes around playing the yakiimo song. Yeah, that's why Japan's so healthy. Three-pointer of the week number two, what I am learning on, what I am using. I am using vetiver essential oil. So what vetiver is, it originated in India and Sri Lanka and is known as the oil of tranquility. It's a way to boost energy levels when you're exhausted. has been shown to treat heat strokes, joint disorders, disorders, and skin problems. Vetiver is also a very soothing and grounding essential oil that can help with anxiety, nervousness, and actually help you get a lot better sleep. That's what I've been using it for, checking it out. It's also credited to treat symptoms of ADHD, ADD, and is known to help treat insomnia without the use of drugs. It's a natural essential oil that packs a lot of punch. Check it out. It's great for grounding. Three-pointer of the week number three, the NBA behind-the-scenes info. I know you guys know a little bit about China and all the NBA players going over to China, but why exactly are they going? What is the reason? All right, here it is. It's the money. There is a crazy amount of money in China. Players will be getting 3 to $4 million deals for a five-month season. 
that three to four million is equivalent to about seven to seven and a half million U.S. dollars based on they don't get taxed in China. They get treated like a king over in these Chinese cities. See Stefan Mulberry. The season is five months long. And there isn't a lot of wear and tear on the body playing in these games. Plus, they put up a lot of stats and they're able to come back and finish the NBA season. Other than the horrible Chinese food that they might have to eat, China is a great option for players who want to make a ton of money playing. That's why these NBA players are going to China. There's your in-depth, behind-the-scenes NBA info. Another thank you to Nick Littlehales for coming on the podcast and dropping his knowledge on how to get the best sleep possible. Just a lot of fun learning and growing with you guys. And I want to keep hearing from you and hear who you want to have on this podcast and the topics you want to learn on. Send any questions in to me and let's just keep growing this game of lifers together. Have a great week. And remember, it's all about the journey. David Nurse, Game of Life, signing off.